A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today we'll be talking about touchy office topics in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up. The stand-up. Stand mm. Indeed. Hit me, Frank. What you got? Pollen. Uh, we all have plenty of that. Let's do something else. I don't know. I figured we can talk about <laughs> the thing that is coating everything outside. What I lovingly refer to as the great seasonal tree bukkake. I knew we were to get into uh, to some sort of tree semen joke at some point. Um, Indeed. Yeah, it, it every year it just becomes this... Is this regional? Like, is it only us, or does the entire country experience this? Like, is this something that only Southerners or, or folks around pine trees will get? We, we get it pretty bad around here, um, but it, it happens, you know, pretty much everywhere. But outside of the southeast, I have not quite experienced the sort of explosion that we get every year uh, right about this time where it's like literally for weeks on end, you just go outside and like you could have washed your car yesterday and it is now bright yellow with pollen. I mean, if I mean, at least there is something to, to <laughs> some sort of silver lining to all this is that you, you pretty much don't have to wash your car for like a month. At minimum, because there's no reason like everybody understands, like if your car is like covered in mud and just, you know, random detritus and whatnot, they're not going to judge you because they know that it's also covered in like an inch thick layer of pollen. And there's no reason to go wash it off because tomorrow it's going to be right back as thick and as nasty as it was the day before. So, I mean, that's nice, but I mean, you know, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, that pollen is not some sort of like intoxicating substance because you could just go do lines on your car all day. I and... would I would be high as a kite 24-7 <laughs> for months on end if that were the case. <sighs> Instead, they just they just congest you and give you horrible sinus infections. Oh, jeez. To, to, oh, every, every day I wake up and it's like, oh, got to pop some allergy medication. And even then... I still sound very, very stuffed up, like, all the time. Yeah. Uh, like, we were outside uh, watering some plants. Why? Jesus uh, Christ, I, why were you outside? Yeah, it was, it's terrible. Uh, certain individuals who will rename nameless uh, decided to take up gardening. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not even helping with it, really, but it's just like, <laughs> I guess now I'm out here uh, to at least be like, you know, so that I can have conversations with those that are close to me. <laughs> and, yeah, shit. Yeah, that's a plant. Uh, mm. Yep. Mm, boy, that's, that's <laughs> green. The, the other one's green, too. And that green as green. shit. Yeah, this is green as hell out here. <laughs> but but even just watering the plants, it's like we, you create a little yellow river where all right. the water runs off the deck uh, or whatnot. Or we had a... Yeah. A fairly tremendous uh, set of, of tornadoes, I think, that we mentioned uh, last episode, maybe. And, right. and even then, like, the torrential downpours uh, resulted in just pools of yellow on the streets from, right. from just, you know, suspended pollen. Any standing water is just disgusting. I mean, obviously it was disgusting before. Like, I wasn't going to go scoop it up and, you know, mix some Gatorade with it or whatnot. But, I mean, now it is just just this super thick coating of yellow on top of it. And it is, it is disgusting to look at. Um, yeah, it. I was hoping that 
if we got some bad weather. Uh, and, you know, of course, I don't ever want tornadoes, but, you know, I was hoping we'd get some bad weather. You get that one big storm that basically just, like, knocks, like, all the pollen off of all the trees and, you know, runs it down the drain all at once. And then you're done. And No then, such luck. No such luck. You know, at, at least where, where we're at, you know, it... It kind of sort of rained, but it didn't rain nearly enough to actually wash anything off. It just kind of like, you know, turned it into a, like a, a paste. So yeah, like a nice, you know, a nice polleny paste. Yeah, some sort of salve that we could then rub on our wounds to give them horrible allergies. Um, <laughs> See, I was thinking, like, I walked outside, and my thought was, this is probably the kind of shit that will kill us if we ever go to an alien planet. We'll be like, oh, this is fine, <laughs> and then there will be some sort of seasonal thing. Uh, right, where it's like, oh, and now all the plants decide simultaneously to release some sort of terrible spore into the air, and we all die, which is right. probably like what would actually happen in the War of the Worlds sort of situation. The Martians land, they are taking us out, and then they just get really, really terrible allergies and die. <laughs> we we just have to get we just have to get lucky that they uh, invade in some sort of uh, sometime around springtime. Because if, if they come, like, in the summer, winter, fall, chances are that the allergy season is not going to be bad enough. But by God, if they come in spring, they are just fucked out the gate. Yeah. So. Mid-March, uh, that's that's when the alien invasion ends, because they all just, uh, <laughs> they get allergies and die. Yeah. yeah I know in the, 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 I think it's the most recent remake of War of the Worlds, uh, you know, it was just a virus that killed them. Like the, the cold gene or the, the cold bug basically killed them. Um, right. that, or it could have certainly been, uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise's weird middle tooth. <laughs> <laughs> that would have certainly, uh, made me leave. Just, for just sure. to look upon it is to, is to decide that you need to leave this planet. Right. I mean, unfortunately I don't have that option, but, uh, but Tom, given that does. option, it would be great. Tom does. I'm pretty sure he's high enough ranked at this point uh, in Scientology that he can he can leave for the stars whenever he wants or whatever the hell it is that you do when you get way up there in Scientology. Yeah, he's got Zeno's beeper number. Just call him whatever he wants. I tried um, to ask them, you know, how much for mind bullets when I was in Hollywood, uh, and and they did not find that as amusing as I did uh, while they well, were preaching on the corner. They actually have. Scientology preachers in Hollywood. Oh yes, yes, they've got uh, like missionary type outreach people. Like they've got you know a big center there in Hollywood, and then like on Hollywood Boulevard, they they had a little stand in the street where they were you know trying to hawk their book and tell everybody about the the wonders of Zemu or Zenu or the evils wow. of Zemu. I forget. <laughs> I I have not read <laughs> I their sci-fi can't novel. Which one it is. Yeah, uh, I I want to believe that there's like some sort of like a some collection of chick tracks that they're passing out and <laughs> just telling about you know some sort of uh some sort of dumb story about about Zenu and like tying your shoes or something like <laughs> something uh I, I don't know like I I've watched some of the Scientology stuff but it's mostly um, all just like a big jumbled mess in my brain because once I start thinking about the fact that people who uh, are somewhat successful believe in this, my brain cells start to die, so I tend not to, to focus on that too much. Well, it's um, like the, the Christians will pass out the chick tracks, you know, for free mm -hmm. because they want the, everyone to get that knowledge, but right. the Scientologists know where it's at. They're going to charge you $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> to get access to the chick track, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna build up to it for a while, and right. uh, and you know, try to try to get you to to get in on the ground floor uh, and build you up to the chick track. It's like we've got something for you. We're not gonna tell you what it is yet, but for five thousand dollars, we'll tell you what it is, and by that time, you're hooked. You're you're toast. Exactly. Oh God. Um. No, so as far as the uh, as far as the pollen goes, uh, isn't that all just like from the the pine trees or whatnot? Because it se it seems like it's worse whenever I park around any sort of uh, conifer. So looking it up, it seems that the top allergens right now are juniper, maple, and elm, and I I would assume that yeah, it is it is the conifers that are are just just 
blowing it all over the cars. <laughs> just, just the the. the the entire spring is nothing but like one big trip to Flavortown for all these trees. Exactly. It's it's <laughs> terrible. I don't want to be a part of it. I wish they would get a room. <laughs> uh, they should teach some sort of modesty. Because um, I would love for them to stop whatever the hell they're doing. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Let, me, let me rephrase. I, I know like biologically we don't... That's not what we want. Like we want them to make more trees. Keep the... You know, keep the whatever chemical balance of the ozone, we want them to keep doing that, but I want them to do it in the privacy of their own, you know, forest. Like don't, don't jizz on the road. That's the problem is that Quit jizzing on my car. Their inside <laughs> is our outside. Like, I guess we're, when we go outside, we're in their, their bedroom. Oh, Ooh. Oh, so that's another reason I don't like the outside. It's basically like a tree boudoir. Exactly. Like they're all huh. out there taking really, you know, scandalous <laughs> photographs. Uh, see, I never thought about it that way. Um, it's not like I really needed a whole lot of other reasons to not go outside, but that's definitely one of them. Um, this is the kind of shit I think about. That tomorrow, the pollen is supposed to go to 11. Oh, uh, why? Why, why, why? Uh, that's, there. there's just... Pollen.com. Is there some sort of like pollen forecast? There is. There are multiple oh, God, types of, of pollen is. forecasts out there for the pollen allergy sufferers <laughs> to get their hands on. It's not like it's not like you can do a whole lot about it, but I guess it's, you know, kind of like the weather forecast, I suppose, where at least I know I'm going to get wet tomorrow. Right. Uh, so <laughs> at least I know that I'm going to be uh, congested and unhappy <laughs> tomorrow. So don't don't plan any uh, you know opera tryouts or anything because you're going to be just plugged up. But then again, yesterday was an eleven. I think it just is eleven. You know, the whole way out. <laughs> it's less of a forecast and just like a, a a static web page. It just says shit's real bad, yo. <laughs> yeah, it just says I'm so sucks. so sorry. <laughs> but what 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 would they apologize for? Like. It's not like they're necessarily controlling the pollen, because if they are, if they are controlling the pollen, I need a phone number. I have well, some here's very the strong thing. words. Many of these are brought to you by allergy medications. Uh-huh. So I wonder, is it pollen, or is it some <laughs> sort of conspiracy by Big Pharma? Uh, I mean, we already talked, I guess we haven't talked about it, but... You know, there's the the conspiracy theory that chemtrails are making frogs gay, uh, when in fact it's big pharma just like spraying pollen on everybody through chemtrails. Exactly. Um, well, I, I don't know about chemtrails, but I will say that it's it's not actually pollen. It's some sort of bioengineered uh, infowars dust. <laughs> if that's the case, I I mean, I'm mad at them. I'm not happy they're doing this, but I do admire. Uh, their thoroughness, because like it is complete. <laughs> you, there, there are no uh, black cars or white cars or anything uh, during this time of season. It, they're all literally just yellow cars. They managed to perfect cloning, and all they've done is <laughs> cloned Alex Jones's dandruff. Oh, gross! Ow! Oh. Now that's all I'm gonna think about whenever I go and like touch the handle of my car it's just covered in jones dust and it's gonna turn to friggin frogs gay <laughs> oh my god all right you want to get in the deep dive let's get into the deep dive in the deep dive today i wanted to talk about touchy topics at the office that is those topics that elicit passionate responses from even the tamest co-workers this can include but it's not limited limited to religion politics, sports team affiliation, and DC versus Marvel. Um, these are things that cause more problems than than most things. I mean, obviously there are going to be some, uh, some things that are going to cause problems otherwise, but uh, in general, uh, most of the times that I can remember somebody storming out of a room has been because of one of these topics or, or something mm. like it. See, I get what passionate are... about meetings. Okay. That we should have more meetings. 
No one ever agrees with me. Well, I mean that that's part of your religion, so I, I think it still falls in the same category. Uh, but, okay, so we're discussing religion at that point. That makes sense. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Frank, in your opinion, uh, what is your take on uh, things like you know, religion, politics, sports? What, what is your take on them as far as uh, talking about them or, or not talking about the off- at the office? I don't discuss them in the office, especially sports. And I would mm-hmm. appreciate it if everyone else would do the same. <laughs> So it's less about arguments and more just not wanting to hear about sports. Ah, Jesus. Right around the beginning of football season, there's like, there's a cutoff. And I'm like, I will now have no useful conversations with anybody in the office for the next however long it is that football season lasts. Yeah. Because we're in the Southeast and, uh, and people get inordinately passionate about their sports here, but that's literally all they'll talk about. Yeah, and and I I think that we are kind of a an odd microcosm because you know we have I guess we have like the Atlanta Falcons and uh, the you know the the Dolphins in Florida and whatnot. Um, so we have like some sports teams in the region, but we have none in our uh, we have no like NFL sports teams. That's because uh, they in... can't they can't get a toehold. We've got right. We've got University of Alabama and. Auburn mm-hmm. and, and everything I mean, else is just is is completely irrelevant for the people that live here right and and that is definitely enough like that has taken up the the headspace of literally everybody to, to the point where you know at and I've worked several jobs in the uh, the Birmingham Tuscaloosa area and every single one that I've started at while introducing me to the team somebody has asked me my team affiliation whether it's ua or auburn um i mean obviously my alma mater was ua so i am partial to ua um you know I, i'm not gonna wear crimson tide sports uh, paraphernalia on um frankly just because i don't want my car to get keyed like especially since i'm kind of in, in enemy territory now like i think in birmingham by and large there are probably more auburn fans there are alabama i was gonna um, say Derek, i went to auburn that's it. Podcast is over. <laughs> We're done. See, uh, I, I would have been afraid of that uh, had I any indication that you cared about sports whatsoever. But no, I mean, it, it's a running gag because, you know, with the very few exceptions, everybody leans one way or the other. Some people very hard some people are just like eh I, I picked one once and that's the one that uh, whenever people ask me that's what I tell them um, you, know, you you get several of those because there are people like you who could not give two shits and, and that's perfectly fine um, but you know back to kind of the original point is that when you really when you start getting two people of opposing sports teams in a room and actually have them talking about sports, it can get really nasty really fast. And, I mean, that that's a good way to, you know, shut down meetings. Because, I mean, literally, people will toss barbs across the across the table. You know, somebody be making a point. It's like, ah, that's stupid. He's an Auburn fan anyway. I mean, <laughs> so they will I've, literally just, like, like use it as insults. I've um, seen it, and I've, I've shut it down before. Yeah. Uh, I think people are a little more free to talk about sports and give each other, uh, like the rivalry is real and some people oh, get yeah. completely psychotic about it. Uh, usually Alabama fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, when you're a winner, you get passionate. I, I guess. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't see like. I see that talked about a lot more often than religion or, uh, I don't know. What is the well, other Because one? I mean, it, it basically is a, uh, you know, you have your actual religion, which like 90% of them is Southern Baptist, but then you have your secondary religion, which is Auburn or Alabama. Like that is basically, <laughs> that's basically how it goes. Uh, so, you know, it, it's talked about more frequently and, you know, unlike with religion, like people, sometimes can talk about ooh the iron bowl was really good i really hate you guys did that but good on you you know that kind of shit sometimes it happens sometimes not um 
However, with like, yeah, with like actual religion, yeah, there's there's a lot less uh, wiggle room for for common ground, um, especially in the especially in the area that we find ourselves. Especially, so, yeah, around here, definitely. Uh, so religion, one of the things I don't talk about. Politics, I don't talk about that in the office either. I, I think that I find that I like to discuss with people and actually change minds and things like that, or, or maybe even learn something myself. Cause I, I know that I'm, um, you know, I didn't really care about politics until, you know, five, 10 years ago. Um, maybe, maybe a little longer than that, but, um, you know, so I have a lot to learn about the history of things and, and whatnot. So, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of a, you know, a little bit of a sponge when it comes to that type of stuff. But, um, with like the eras of like, you know, fake news and things like that. And, and all these things that are like, proven to be false being circulated on Facebook and all over the internet. Um, it, it really is becoming, you know, one person says something and then everybody in the room pulls out a knife and stabs them. Like, <laughs> like that's how it's become. It's just the psychology behind it is, is fascinating. And I know how you can approach people to have a political conversation that will cause them to change their minds. Honestly, okay. I just can't be fucked to do so. <laughs> like, it's really time-consuming and involves a lot of emotional labor that I'm just not willing to put in. <laughs> I mean, and I guess that kind of goes along with, like, your, your general <laughs> general theme of uh, not really, like, putting time into your coworkers other than purely as stimulus to get them to do what you want. I so, put time into all of my coworkers. That is that is my job. Well, okay. Well, you you put time into your coworkers, but uh, you know, it, the moment that somebody starts getting close to you, you know, you push them away. And it's true, Derek. That's really what There's a that's wall really there. what all this was about. This was this was just a ploy to get you to open up and you know, become a hugger like me. I don't I don't think there's any way that I can, Derek. That ship sailed long ago. I've been hurt before. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, no, but that that makes sense because you know at the end of the day, I, that you actually make a very good point. Wait, well, I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I'm not saying like every once like, in a while it holy happens. Holy fuck! <laughs> holy fuck! You made a valid point. Broken clock, um, right? Twice a day. <laughs> uh, but no, that's that's actually a pretty astute observation I hadn't thought of before. Is that when you were at work? you are there to work like you're there to get paid to do a certain job. So unless your job is to sit around and, and talk like just do random which, banter with which people mine is, but go on. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, you know, y- you shouldn't be like you said, in investing a ton of time into changing somebody's mind about an unwork, a non work related topic because that's that's wasted effort towards you know what you're getting paid for. Um, obviously, that <laughs> there's a lot of things that could be put in that category. Uh, surfing the web and doing other dumb shit at work, um, you know that could also be you know not working towards the goal. But um, but yeah, it's not really your your job to sit there and you know and change others other people's mind at work. And if you're not trying to do that, then all you're doing is just arguing and making people pissed off and that's not right either yeah i mean it like my job is to form cohesive teams to some extent and you know talking about divisive stuff like that is is a surefire way to lead things in the in the wrong direction now some amount of like this is this is where the sports versus religion thing becomes interesting like a certain amount of friendly, uh, you know, ribbing of each other and, and differences of opinion can be good for, for the creation of a team. Uh, right. The most important aspect to a team in terms of uh, what is going to predict their success is actually the trust that the people on the team have in one another. Not necessarily that they all agree with each other. Uh, on a political or a religious spectrum, just that they, right. they trust each other to do the things that need to get done in a way that need to, you know, that they need to do it. Right. Uh, that makes sense. So so having people that are going to discuss religion or discuss uh, politics 
being that those topics can be so deeply divisive is is counterproductive for me. Right. Plus, as I said, I honestly can't be fucked for it. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to build the team, and they are trying to, or not necessarily trying to do it intentionally, but they are, you know, essentially breaking trust and 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 pushing the team further apart by the devi- divisive language and things like that. Yeah, it's because these things, like political beliefs and religious beliefs, are are uh, beliefs of self. You know, they're they're right. sort of bound up in people's self identity. And so any threat to that is so rapidly attacked because they are essentially attacks on the self. Right. And people's self-opinion is, you know, the most important thing that they have, essentially. Which is why it I is mean, that's so all different. I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a rich man in self-opinion. Right. <laughs> It's like, boy, if I could buy Apple with my self-opinion, I'd be in business. Um. <laughs> I'd have a black turtleneck. I'd be the new Steve Jobs. See, now I'm, now I'm imagining what you would look like in a black turtleneck, and that's somewhat terrifying. Uh, I, I think it, it would approach it like some version of the Slender Man, but, you know... <laughs> not the, not the Slender Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Thick Man. The Thick Man. That's, that's going to be... Yep. That's uh, that's my next Halloween costume. I'm the thick man. Okay. All right, so so we we've talked about like the the what you know what we can't really discuss and the why you know the the fact that it's so divisive and it it pushes people apart instead of bringing together. What can you do if someone you work with won't stop talking about these topics? Um, I haven't necessarily experienced that. So, Frank, I'm hoping that because you are a, a problem solver when it comes to this type of situation, that you will have something good that our audience can do. Wait, I mean, not good. Like I was going to say, there's <laughs> nothing that I have is going to be good that the audience can do. <laughs> right. Uh, see previous uh, something... episodes about spitting cobras. I think that that's right. an appropriate response. Um, and I mean, yeah, so what, what can you do to fix this? I've encountered this before uh, on one of the teams, and it was it was sort of a, a difficult situation, in as much as the the individual in question we had just not discussed politics pointedly so for right. a long period of time, and then certain things occurred uh, <laughs> to cause that person to become a lot more vocal about their uh, opinions. Right. And and I found myself on multiple occasions just having to shut it down. And yeah. it, it depends on your role uh, on the team. And I think my role on the team was such that that was sort of accepted as my place to, to do so. Uh, right. To, to, you know, just say, we're going to move on from this. We have other things that we need to do and need to accomplish. Yeah, if anybody's going to shut the door on it, it, it probably would be you. Yeah, and that's that's generally just all you can do. Uh, although I will say I usually hit them with like a barb uh, as I'm closing down the conversation uh, <laughs> that's that's high enough that they don't necessarily get it until they've left the room. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one of the one of those thinking barbs that uh, once they hit the the bottom stair of the staircase, they're like that son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. Like any insults at the office need to be refrigerator thoughts. But uh, unfortunately, that's that's about all you can do because it'll rapidly devolve into just, you know, the, the, the other thing I have is I keep a chain and two switchblades. <laughs> chain them together, uh, super glue switchblade in each hand, and then just let it solve, its, solve itself. Yeah, then you just got to let it play out. Uh, but HR has, uh, has definitely come down with an official ruling that that is frowned on. I'm like, it's just a first blood. It's, it's a methodology <laughs> for solving disputes, but no. Um, <laughs> I mean, this isn't regulation rules for competitive piano blood sport. I mean, we're just going to first blood. It's fine. Yeah, no, but, uh, that's, that's the only other option that you've got is to, well, uh, I, is to nip it in the bud. I, I think that another option uh, and one that I think is is very effective at shutting down conversation, but it may not be conducive to the other over, overall health of the team, is uh, somebody 
is kind of uh, uh, maybe maybe you could take it upon yourself or uh, somebody else that uh, is really good at spotting this is more or less you know they're uh, they're labeled the referee and they have an air horn. And I was gonna say air horns. <laughs> anytime somebody starts to bring up one of these topics, they just you know it can start off as you know just like a short burst, like just enough to startle them and be like, oh, okay, that's right, can't talk about those things. Uh, and you know, as it gets worse, it's a cumulative effect. And you know, the fourth or fifth time they do it, they just they just lay into it until the thing's empty. Um, you know, maybe that'll shut down a few meetings and. You know, maybe it can it can be abused. Uh, you know, somebody could just fake like they're talking about politics just so they can get out of a meeting. Um, but by and large, I think it will shut down the the people who actually want to talk about politics because you know, most time when people are are that uh, passionate <laughs> about politics, they start yelling really loud. But I don't think they can out yell an air horn. I don't I, think so. I think you're right, and I've immediately come around on this topic. <laughs> I'm a big believer in the air horn diplomacy methodology. Right. And, in, and in I think fact, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to have to have a couple in the bag so that when I just lean on it until it sputters out and someone decides at that moment, it's like, oh, yeah, now, yeah, now's yeah. the time to take the hill. Then I just reach into the bag. <laughs> yeah, this, this is certainly not a, uh, a single air horn thing. Like you have to have a, there, there's a line item in the budget that is for... Air meeting horns. air horns gotta have yeah, these these things aren't cheap they're about 15 uh 15 dollars a pop <laughs> 15 I mean, to 18 dollars a pop i mean i can see why because i mean it's it's got to be kind of expensive to you know record somebody yelling for that long and you know having whatever device they use to kind of capture that scream it can't be cheap like it like what it, it got to run on like what like ectoplasm or something uh, How else I'm, would they capture, like, the screams of a living being? I'm looking at it. It's pure concentrated evil. <laughs> uh, oh, so they just kind of, like, uh, they just kind of c- c- come up to you. They stick the, the nozzle into your evil port and just kind of <laughs> s- skim a little <laughs> off the top. <laughs> no, I haven't seen your evil port, so I have a good, I- pretty good idea. Peop- very <laughs> few people have seen the evil port. <laughs> Oh, you keep your your evil port very well hidden, Frank. <laughs> I thank you for that. <laughs> As does everyone. All right. You want to take the elevator to accounting? Let's take the elevator to accounting. All right. So we've got a couple of people to talk about. That we do. Yeah, just want to take a, a minute or two to give some shout-outs to some great podcasts that have been very supportive of us over the last few weeks. Uh, the first is uh, the What Does It Matter podcast. Uh, a guy named Sean Faust uh, runs that podcast, and he's got uh, different hosts that, that come along with him uh, every week, but it is a raucous good time. Um, he's a really great guy, and he's got some... Um, fantastic, funny commentary that you really don't want to miss. Uh, you can check him out at uh, at WDIM Podcast on Twitter. The next is the Pod Couple Podcast. I uh, don't know the real name because I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> didn't want to Facebook stalk these folks. But uh, they go by Pod Guy and Pod Gal. Um, this podcast is one of the most pleasant and delightful podcasts I have ever listened to. Um, they have super funny people on there. They, you know, the two of them are super funny and super delightful and, uh, it's just a wonderful listen and I recommend it to anybody who wants to just sit, sit back, relax and listen to, um, just some really good banter and storytelling and whatnot. Um, I'm immediately suspicious though, Derek, because they're so nice and they're pod people. (laughs) They may... They may actually be pod people. I, I cannot. Con- I can neither confirm nor not deny that. Says it on the um, tin. <laughs> uh, that they are at the pod couple on Twitter. Uh, then there is uh, a podcast called More Gooder Than Podcast. Uh, it's uh, Chris, Donnie, and Corey. Um, they're, they're, I think I think they're part of the uh, the Podfix Network. Um, 
but just three guys that basically uh, it's a really interesting format. They each take uh, different opinions uh, or different uh, positions on a particular topic. And then they each of them argue, play devil's advocate for you know their side of the, the argument. And then at the end, they decide which is more gooder. Um, really interesting format and lots and lots of hilarity. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's pretty wild time. So, um, it definitely is one that you should check out. It is at MGT podcast on Twitter. Um, and the last one that I want to give a shout out to this week is uh, super movie bros. Uh, Jay and Dave, um, are two great guys that have uh, fantastic voices. Might I add, um, Super delightful and, and just a super easy listen. And uh, they talk about, you know, just whatever they, they feel like talking about, basically. Um, you know, there's some other, uh, you know, movie-related topics and things like that. But um, honestly, just listening to them and talk about... I could, they could they could read a takeout menu, and I probably wouldn't care. Um, pretty, pretty great one overall. Uh, they also make a lot of uh, cocktails based on movies. So they'll, they'll make some for... I think they made one for, like, the Temple of Doom and... Um, they made one for the Mario Brothers. Um, they made one for... Oh, God, I don't want to drink that. <laughs> no, it actually sounded really good. Uh, the, the picture, um, you can get to it from from their Twitter, but uh, they, they have a list of movie cocktails. Um, he sent me the link, and I swear to Christ, it's it's in there somewhere, And but I can't be arsed to go find it. Um, but basically, he's got a lot of them that posted up, and I mean, it actually, like, the drink itself is great, looks great, but... Uh, no, the the movie obviously was terrible. It might be based on the video game. I don't know. Um, the the movie was, was like, supposed to be based on the video game, but if I remember the right. the earlier mid nineties uh, correctly, it was uh, <laughs> it was quite possibly the worst thing that has ever been committed to film. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to assume that the drink is just do shots of Everclear as quickly as possible. <laughs> So that you don't actually remember the movie when you watch exactly. it. Um, no, and uh, they are at Super Super Movie Pod uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, so so go check those out. They're all four of them. They're run by just a, a great group of people. Um, have like I said, been really supportive of us, and we're very thankful. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll you know they'll uh, they'll appear on our podcast or we'll appear on theirs. Uh, we we would love it. So yeah, go check them out. All right. Would you like to get to an audience question? Let's do that. My former coworker slash teammate has become my teammate slash supervisor, and it kind of sucks. She appreciates things she does well, but doesn't have a ton of patience for people who don't share those skills. How do I talk to our shared supervisor about having a different supervisor next year? What do you think? Sent in by Drew from Denver. Oh, yeah. This one's this one's kind of tough uh, because you know typically whenever you have coworkers, you know you build up a certain rapport. Uh, you have maybe told them some uh, you know some sort of scandalous story about something dumb you did after the work party, things like that, and then they become your boss. <laughs> and and I've seen this happen and, in in the workplace, and it doesn't turn out well. Like when someone gets promoted, uh, it's generally not the best idea to then immediately put them over people that they were teammates with prior to, for a whole host oh God, of reasons. No. One is, as you said, the relationship there is already skewed. Uh, yeah, it it creates a very a very instant odd power imbalance it's like i know something about you and you are now my you know my underling and you know maybe i'll be cool about it but maybe i won't be and and the the sort of distance from an emotional standpoint and respect just aren't necessarily there and then another thing is that uh i think as this person is seeing uh, when someone has been promoted out and then is still over like the direct team that they were a part of, it can be hard mm-hmm. for them to let go. Uh, oh, absolutely. They, they just sort of take what they used to do in the role and now they want to 
micromanage everybody else because, you know, from their point of view, they have been rewarded for being correct. Right. And so now everybody else should do it their way. Yeah. And that creates a, a weird power dynamic because, you know, I mean, sometimes people are promoted because their ideas are good, but often I think they're more or less promoted just because they have the ability to kind of collect people or you, you hope they are. Um, I mean, sometimes they're just promoted out of, you know, cronyism or, you know, whatever favors they're, you know, the, the boss are trying to toss their buddies. But um, well, I, I don't know if we've discussed it in the past. Like the people who are most likely to get promoted are not necessarily the people who have the strongest skill set. That's about true. the job at hand. It's the people who spend the most time being in front of management. Right. And that's just human psychology because if that person is in front of management most of the time, when management thinks of people in that role, they're going to think of the person that they know the best as opposed to the person who has actually spent their time doing the work. Right. And I guess that's a good point because if somebody is in front of the bosses all the time, they have probably done less work than the other person who was not seen. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it creates a power dynamic in, in a lot of ways because, you know, you, you hope that the people that get promoted are the ones that are more capable of doing, you know, that particular job they're being promoted into. Um, and you know, that's a matter of opinion from, from everybody involved, the people above, you know, they have an opinion on who's going to be the best and that's, you know, that may or may not be correct. But the people that are in that same pool of people that it w- that was promoted from, those people also have a very strong opinion over who should be doing that role. And if the person that got promoted is not the one that they think, um, I mean, that's going to lead to some discontent. Have you? I'm, I'm guessing you've seen that before multiple times. I mean, I've seen it before. I've I've been in that situation before, and. For for my part, like it almost happened to me where a person who was essentially a teammate was going to be put into a supervisory position, and I right. I had to have a come ye unto the Lord moment with my uh, <laughs> existing supervisor, and basically right. say like, no, this is not going to work for me, and. In, right. You know, this might be my career ending moment, but I'm going to have to have that conversation with you because this just is not going to work. Yeah. So, you know, make that decision if you want to make that decision, but understand the ramifications of that decision are, are going to be me with my resume in a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> just blowing it through the windows <laughs> of every place in town. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best idea, but uh, just taking out windows no, um, up and down the street. But uh, like, as far as helping this person, if I had to give an honest answer, that would be it. Like, this is the the kind of thing that you need to have a frank and honest conversation with. You know, the person that's one up from you, and just say this situation is is skewed. And it is not going to work out well for the people involved here. Yeah, because I I think that's actually an okay conversation to have. And no, it's probably not easy to start the conversation. But I think that's a valid, a perfectly valid complaint. Uh, As long as you're not being like petty, like I don't like, you know, I don't like her face. Like, you know, as long as you're not being petty about the reasons that you have to, uh, to kind of contest this this rearrangement of the the working positions, but um, if you have a valid complaint, like you know you don't like their style of management, like you really feel smothered, where before you know before they were your manager, you had this freedom to actually do what you felt was right, and you know given whatever your performance reviews are, if they're if they're fine, then you've got a decent leg to stand on. Um, you know, if if now that they become your manager, you know, everything feels off. I think that's something that they they need to know because, you know, these are some things that they may not have known. They may not have known the management style of the people they were promoting. And it's probably valuable to them to know, OK, like, are you the only person that's experiencing this? If you are, you know, maybe you won't get any relief. But if there are other people that are feeling the same thing you're feeling, then you may be the one to make it better for everybody. And I, I say yeah, definitely, definitely speak up. 
you know, do it tactfully, but but definitely speak up. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's a it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's definitely in in most organizations that are big enough to do so. It might not be immediate, but uh, if you if you know if you come to someone and say it's nothing like I dislike this person, but we just have a deep disconnect in management style or work style, and I would like to be shifted to another team. Uh, my experience is that unless you have singled yourself out as some sort of troublemaker, they will try to accommodate you in uh, as much as they can. Right. If it's a healthy working environment. Sometimes it's not a healthy working environment, and at that point they'll, you know, have a conversation with the person that, uh, that you don't want them to have a conversation with and just make things immeasurably worse. Right. But, you know, in that case, hopefully you can find another job. Um, you know, because that's always another option. You can always, you know, just take your ball and go home. Um, and, and sometimes it's called for, you know, in my experience, um, <laughs> I actually have not really experienced this exact scenario. I've experienced the opposite. I've been the one that was promoted, uh, out of my, my pool of equals. Um, and you know, I think that all things considered, I ran it well, you know, of course it's my opinion, but you know, I, I tended to be a lot more hands-off, like I wasn't going to micromanage people. Um, I knew that everybody uh, had different opinions, so, you know, everybody's opinion mattered the same. And, and it worked out well. I, th- I think that my, my management style, um, you know, it, it definitely was something that I would have, pr- have appreciated. I tried to be the manager that, that I wanted to be, or excuse me, I tried to be the manager that I, I wanted. Fuck me. Weak and soft. <laughs> yes, weak and soft. Um, but yeah, so the the only problem that I really had, uh, I guess there were two problems. Uh, the first of all, uh, the first problem was that you know there were a couple folks that had been there longer than I had, and you know they, they kind of felt like they deserved it more. That's always tough. And yeah, I mean, on one hand, like I get it. Like they were, you know, they were better developers than I was. Um, you know, they knew the subject matter a little bit more than I did. Uh, I mean, there, there's definitely no two ways about that. Um, but at the same time, you know, they were not really, they weren't really interfacers so much. Like they would talk to clients, but, you know, I, I, I had a very strong retail background and I dealt with, you know, lots of clients before. So, you know, I was kind of the, the more natural pick for it. And, you know, I think that that was kind of saw, seen by the managers and like, as long as the people that you are, as long as you haven't pissed anybody off, I think this will work out okay. And, and by and large, it did. Um, yeah, and I mean, some but, people you know, just we, we still had a couple people that were still a little cranky about some it. Some people just aren't cut out for management, and that's a thing that a lot of people right. don't realize is that if you've created the career track to lead inexorably towards people management, like the only way to move up is to move into a management uh, position you are going to end up with people who are very good at what was their job and who are really shit at managing people because (laughs) those are two completely different skill sets. And they absolutely are. And And I think that's kind of why I eventually dipped because, you know, I... I could pretend to be good at it for a while, but it was still very, (laughs) still very soul crushing for me, uh, to have to do some of the, the more difficult things. Um, but you know, the, the other difficult side of it was that, you know, I had a a very close friend, um, who, you know, we both started around the same time. And, uh, I think he, I think he had a few, few months on me, but, uh, I started full time before he did cause he, he started as a student and, there were a lot of times where he would kind of walk into my office after me being promoted, he would walk into my office and kind of start, you know, maybe pitching a little bit of a fit. And the kind of the, kind of the problem was I, I kind of had to stop him. I'm like, it's like, look, are are you, which hat do you want me to wear right now? Do you want me to wear friend Derek hat or boss hat? Because I can't, I'm not going to be able to wear both. And, you know, sometimes I would get the, the message across, but um, occasionally I'd, I'd sit him down. I was like, Hey man, you know, I am your friend, like no two ways about it. I am, I am your friend, but right now I'm speaking as your boss and you need to cut that shit out quick <laughs> because you're creating a, a, a work environment that is not 
good for everybody else around you. Um, See, it's just easier not to have any friends. I mean, that is the clear, obvious answer. And I've had some bosses that were more than happy with that. Um, they they did their job really well, but no, they uh, I, I do not have them on my Christmas card list because, you know, they never really showed any uh, personal interest in me, which was very, very offensive to my tender, my tender feelings. But yeah, in this particular case, I, I think you're right, Frank. I think that um, having the conversation with whomever, uh, you know, your, your boss's boss at this point, um, sitting down and letting him know, yeah, this is, this is not something that's going to work. And, you know, you know, here are my grievances. Can you tell me how we can fix it? That type of thing. Now I've had situations where a friend of mine has gotten promoted over me, uh, like significantly Mm -hmm. over me and into direct supervisory position. But, those individuals when it worked out was i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were really good at that like they were they were definitely good at being a management level person and we were able to have you know sort of a a good working relationship uh and and they right. knew and i knew cuz here's the thing i I tend to take a very uh, servant leadership sort of position on things, and that goes right. upstream too. And so, you know, more than once, I would walk into the office and be like, "Here are some problems. Heavy is the head right. that wears the crown, baby. I'm out. That's your <laughs> shit to deal with." Damn. Uh, so you just walk in, uh, lay out a bunch of problems, and drop the mic. I, I mean, and that's because. Honestly, that's what I see the role of people in supervisory positions to be, is they should be solving problems for the people under them to uh, enable them to get more work done. So if, right. if, that, if the person that's in a supervisory position is largely there for glorifying themselves and, and you know making themselves move farther up the ladder as quickly as possible, then on the first hand, they're probably not going to be a friend of mine. Right. Uh, and if they prove themselves out to be that kind of person, they won't remain a friend of mine. <laughs> but uh, but th- um, th- those were the rare sort of situations where a person who had been, you know, at, at this level had then had then come up above me. But I guess maybe I was able to to take it in stride to some extent. But also, as I said, they were they were skilled at it, and they recognized that you know when I walked into the room. And dropped work in their lap. That that was, that was the way it should go. Like that was, right. That was the direction that work should flow. Like I should be doing things at my level to get work done. But they in turn had things that they had to be doing at their level, and we had a strong enough right. working relationship prior to that point that we were both able to do that without egos getting in the way. I think. Want to take a, an issue from the internet? Let's do that. All right. This question is from Ocelot123. And they misspelled Ocelot, which is Choice. unfortunate. Hold on. You still there, Derek? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. I was like, hmm, it has suddenly become <laughs> silent. It's like Ocelot123 just broke through the door and strangled you. He <laughs> <laughs> got me. Ah, oh, shit. Today on my day off, I unexpectedly got a call on my personal number from an end user of our software. This user belongs to one of our clients who have over 100,000 users. I gave her the correct phone number to call. When I asked how she got my mobile, she said one of her colleagues had given it to her. She was apologetic, and she said she let her colleague know this is my personal number and not a business number. I've got no idea how this client got my phone number. To my knowledge, I've never spoken to her colleague, and I definitely don't ever give my mobile number to clients. Uh, ever, as we have a dedicated business phone number, I can only assume one of my colleagues gave it out, although I don't know who it is at this stage. If I find out who gave my personal mobile phone number out, what do I do? How do I get this investigated? Is this an HR thing? Yada, yada, yada. Oh, this is a throwdown. Yes, this, this is. is. This is uh, fighting voids. I, I agree 100%. Now, I've, I've run into this situation before. It was less like an IT support situation. I guess it was it was sort of IT support, but it was a client relationship specialist 
that would do this okay. kind of stuff the uh, what we would call an account manager or a relationship manager um right and that was because like that person is responsible for making the clients happy and so at whatever cost yeah they will throw you under any bus that they can find <laughs> trains that are running whatever to to you know sort of support the relationship that they have with that client uh, and and so more than once I have experienced where that relationship management person has been like, here is the personal cell phone number of someone who oh, can Christ. solve your problem. Jesus, uh, you know, like after hours on a holiday, you know, we're gonna oh, no. we're gonna call you up while you're at the beach, uh, <laughs> and and try to get you. Because there's to solve one it. thing I want to do. If there's one thing I want to do at the beach, it's talk to an irate client to solve their problem. Jesus. So here's what you so, do. You figure out okay. who the person is, and then you get your hands on their business cards. One, okay. Once you've got your hands on some of their business cards, usually you can get that kind of thing off their desk. Right. Just go by and, and steal, you know couple dozen of them you go to another town somewhere specifically a town that's got a, a, a significant business presence okay and then you go around dropping their business card in every single one of those little fish bowls at restaurants they have <laughs> where companies okay. that are trying to sell stuff like they they'll the company will come oh. in they'll put like a little fishbowl or other collection box or something there yeah i've seen those before drop your you know drop your gift card or Drop your business card in here for a chance to win, like, a free drink or something. Yeah, get a free meal or a free drink. The, see, here's the thing about those. What those actually are, that's a sales guy tactic. They will buy you dinner while they give you a sales pitch. Oh, so, yeah, it's like the cost-sharing free vacation type thing. And, like, any uh, any sales guy is going to be just absolutely rabid about follow-up. So you just drop like a dozen of those cards in in those things, you know, pepper them across multiple oh, cities man. if at all possible. And this person is going to have their phone explode. <laughs> oh, man. Now, this is a strategy I can get behind because uh, this is not something that's going to happen immediately. Like this could take months to resolve because you know, some people are going to be very rabid about it. They're going to call in the next day. But there are some that are probably going to forget about that jar, you know, in, uh, you know, Lenny's Deli, you know, several blocks down. And then once they go by to pick it up several months later, the cars, the call start all anew. Uh, and it's, so it's I, difficult to get out from under that once you've got it. I've <laughs> seen people have to change their phone number. Oh, my God. Oh, I see. I didn't even know what that was about. Like, I thought that whenever you drop your card in there, it would be like, uh, you know, put you like on a mailing list or something for that restaurant. Uh, I did not even consider that it could like <laughs> basically be checking the box on, you know, like robocalls, like not only really robocalls, because it's probably actually salespeople, but um, it's giving permission for people to harangue me via phone oh yeah you you win a free meal everybody's a free meal winner to get the free meal you've <laughs> got to sit there and listen to a sales pitch and they will call you constantly to try and give you that free meal oh and see i i think sometimes that would be okay uh it depends on where it's to like if they say hey meet me at mcdonald's for that free meal i'm like mm, no nah, i don't think hearing your pitch is worth that but if you like say hey let's go to the steakhouse let's get a couple of ribeyes I don't care what you're trying to sell me. You can try to, you can try to sell me, you know, two-sided ripped dildos and I wouldn't necessarily care. Uh I mean maybe that's why I'm there. Maybe the food is secondary to the you know, <laughs> two-sided ribbed dildos. You tell me more. <laughs> While we have um, this second course. But yeah, that's that's the nuclear option, but I will say that yeah. It is 100% someone who the, the, the suspect list is either people that you have upset or don't like you at the office. Right. Or some sort of sales facing person who's there. Yeah. I was leaning, I was leaning more towards the, uh, the, the other one of, uh, you know, a coworker that was mad at you about something. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe you got to the last bag of Cheetos in the vending machine 
and he was really upset, just really steamed. And so he just sent a uh, an email to all the clients with, uh, with your your personal mobile number, and uh, you started getting phone calls the next day. Um, I, I've never seen that happen. Uh, most of the time, it has been the the situation that you're you're describing, um, or uh, like there were there was one time where uh, a coworker of mine had put their their phone number in deep, deep, deep in a thread of emails. Um, and we were like on like the 12th or 13th reply. And so then our boss just like forwards the whole thread to a customer. And, and, you know, there was a lot of good information in there, but there's also my, my buddy's phone number. And so all of a sudden, I I think they gave it a couple weeks, but then from that point on, you know, we'd be hanging out on the weekends and all of a sudden his phone would start ringing and it was that client. I was like, "Oh no. This is this has become a pattern." And and he'll answer it. And he and he would actually like help them over the phone and I'm like, "Well, you're just I reinforcing mean, I, the behavior now." Just reinforce the the behavior. And I mean, I I get it because like I'm cr- I'm criticizing him for for doing that, but I would probably do the exact same thing. I can't te- I can't tell people no. Like if you call me for help, like I've had like long-lost relatives that I haven't talked to and a long time call me for computer help. And I'm like, yeah, what you want to do is you want to go into your windows and type this and yeah, I, I will help them. Um, so like, I can't, <laughs> I would not practice what I preached on this one. I mean, it's, but, uh, it's been my job before. And then, you know, that's when I've done it. One of the things that I do like about my job currently is that I am in no way, shape or form customer facing. Right. And and that's a fairly significant change of pace. Like, I don't have anybody giving out my number to any consumer because literally I could not help. Right. <laughs> like, my job it's is like, so have... deep inside baseball. I'm like, mm, I, I don't even know what the end use of this software is, baby. <laughs> I ain't even seen the I'm login here. screen. <laughs> I just I just pick things up from this pile over here and I put it in this pile over here and that's all I know about. I can't can't help anything else. Um I mean I will say from uh from like a management perspective as somebody who uh has kind of had this happen to to their people before, um it is actually really satisfying when this when this happens and you get to step into the client and say, "Hey, you know, I know that that you got his mobile number. Here's my my mobile number instead. You know, do not do not call my people unless you know. Full, well, actually, full stop. Don't call my people. If you if my people need to be involved, I will get them to to call you. But you know, you have to go through me. Yeah, that's a that's appropriate project management and appropriate client relationship management is uh, yeah is doing and it, that. And it's so, Right, and it's so satisfying as a manager. Of course, it's going to you know, commit me to some some after work time where I get a phone call, but it also like you know my my people feel the the weight lifted off of them, knowing that they're not going to get a phone call at eleven o'clock at night and they have to sit up all night fixing something. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, I could I could actually troubleshoot some of the stuff they're working on because a lot of it was like you know database issues or you know, or network issues, things like that. Like those things I could help with. Um, so, you know, I, I helped, you know, there, <laughs> I, re- I forget what it might've been spring break. Cause it was, it was at the university, but um, you know, everybody was gone from the office and I had clients calling me, you know, during spring break. I was, I was, I wasn't gone anywhere. I, I just do staycations. I don't do, <laughs> I don't necessarily go anywhere. So I was like, yeah, you guys, head off to the four corners of the earth. I'll, I'll sit at home and, and man the phone. And it, and it worked out perfectly. They, they didn't get a single call. And it was, it was actually really, uh, really gratifying to have given them, you know, something that, you know, <laughs> that I didn't care to take myself. <laughs> yep. Uh, but for my part, I'm still like, do unto others as they have done unto you. Right. And, and take this oh, guy, so. take this guy's number. Yeah, because I was going to say the 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 that was the nuclear option that I suggested. Right. The thermonuclear right. option is that you take those cards and then you write his personal phone number on the back of them. <laughs> right. Before you go dropping them off, and then oh, then he's no. got to change so get his both, number. Oh, so they get both the business and the cell phone number. Yep. Oh boy. That one you can never let anyone know that you've done it though, because that. <laughs> 
That is that is the devil's path. That absolutely is. Like that is <laughs> that is that is chaotic evil at its most incarnate. Like that that is uh fully embracing the darkest sides of humanity if you do that to somebody. But like from an HR perspective, like is that something that HR would need to be involved or is that just like a hey, don't be a, a douche type of thing? I mean, if if you had could prove that you had done it, but it's very hard for them to do so unless they like manage to get video records from restaurants somewhere showing you dropping <laughs> the cards off. Uh the key is never to admit to it. Because, yeah, I guess it could possibly be some sort of HR violation to have essentially call-bombed someone. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, not exactly exactly a situation you want to have to go in to explain to uh, bosses and or HR personnel. But if you can pull it off, uh, maybe with some sort of clever disguise, things like that, can be very satisfying in correcting this behavior. Or at least payback for... Said this is why I keep a trench coat, a fedora, and dark glasses in the car. See, I thought that you were just uh, building up the confidence to embrace who you are on the inside and wear that to express it. Uh, I didn't realize it was a disguise. That's my flasher outfit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I take that back. Do not do not embrace. <laughs> abort. Your, abort. Your, abort. <laughs> do not do it. All right, Derek. Want to punch the clock? Let's do it. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLImbalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. All right, Derek. Hold on, hold on. Would you like to go? No, no, I wouldn't. What? I got a drink, Frank. No. All right, just a second. Let's take drinks. (laughs) (laughs) The devil's ASMR. (laughs) Yeah, you, you hear, um... Like uh, Coke commercials and whatnot where they're like, they'll put, put oh. the ice in the glass and then they'll pour the Coke onto the ice. And like they're playing it as if that's a positive thing that you can hear that. <laughs> and like, I just, if it's in the movie theater, I want to leave. If it's in, if they play it I, I, in the movie theaters, I can understand. Like that's, that's like direct product placement for like shit that's in the lobby. But if I'm in my car... But it's, it's really terrible, because I'm awful. like, the audience is now using the restroom. <laughs> yeah, because if nothing else, it's it's just, uh, it makes you have to use the loo. But, uh, but no, if I'm in my car and I hear that shit, I am pissed. Well, I mean, not not in the, <sighs> the sense that we were just talking about it, but... Phrasing. Yeah, I'm, I'm upset, because I, like, I'm driving, I shouldn't be messing with the radio... And you forced me to do that because I'm not going to sit there and subject myself to, you know, 30 seconds of ASMR from from Pepsi or Coke. Fuck that. Clinking ice and tinkle sounds. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's gross. Now I'm going to imagine they're putting ice on a glass and then peeing on it. (laughs) Are they not? You can't tell, Derek. You can't see it. No, I can't. I can't see it.